From the front office to the hard-hitting action on the field, breaking down all the NFL's biggest headlines, week-by-week game previews to get you ready for each football Sunday. Every division, every conference, and all 32 teams. We've got you covered. This is the Gridiron on tap. Gridiron on tap, the post-holiday special. I am Danny. And I am Brandon. And we are still full from our Christmas feasts. How you doing, Brandon? It's been a feels like it's been forever, man. How was your holiday? It does. It, it was great. It was great. We're almost recovered from, you know, multiple hosting days of hosting family uh the refrigerator is still stocked and and full and you know the kids are obviously playing with their stuff that they got from santa so all is well in in the gun household how about yours how was your holiday ah chaotic but as you know that that comes with uh, the territory of deciding that you're going to move during the holiday season as well um (laughs) so i mean you know the holidays that's kind of where you just put it all aside and hang out and enjoy your time with your friends and family. So it was it was good all around at the end of the day. It was just a little more stressful than the typical holiday season goes at the old Bennett household. But we did have some good football action to watch. And as you said before we went on the air, Brandon, everybody kind of did what they were supposed to do over uh, – throughout the entire week 16, which seems like it stretched on forever because we had games on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And before that we had the postponed games on a Tuesday. And it just seems like this was a never ending stretch of football. And while I hated it for the fact that games had to be postponed, I absolutely loved it for the amount of football we had. Yeah. I, I, can't agree with you more. I think if it was just a normal scheduling situation that got to see these teams play at full strength, you know, kind of all throughout the week, I'd be much on more on board with it. But when, you know, we're going late into weeks because people are missing 10 plus players, uh, you know, key producers on their team, and then they're just kind of forcing or, or kind of shoehorning a game to get in that week just so they can move on. I, I think that that's where it gets a little bit tough. But yeah, I mean, to your point, it, it, there's there's something to be said for knowing that you have a football game, an NFL football game on four out of seven days a week. It was great. I used to think that watching professional wrestling four days out of seven days a week was was too much, but I could really get used to watching four four out of seven days a week of football, man. I really could. Especially now we got bowl season going on. There's bowl games happening right now as we record the show. I mean, man, you gotta love you gotta love the late season if you're just a football fan, whether it's pro or college. 
you love the fact that the holidays kind of go hand in hand mm-hmm. with the pinnacle of these seasons. I, I think it's awesome. You know, you have family over or you're at a friend's place and there there's almost around the clock football. And at this stage of the year, it's around the clock, meaningful football in most cases. So I, I'm with you. I mean, just, I could do this all day, every day. Absolutely. And maybe eventually we will do this all day, every day. If things pan out that are going on behind the scenes, behind the old curtain and, in uh in, in the Wizard of Oz factory that we have at the Gridiron on Tap <laughs> Studios. Brandon, let's cut to the chase. Christmas Eve, Eve, Thursday night football. San Francisco 49ers went to Nashville to take on the Titans and fell just short 20 to 17. And I got to say it's not looking good, man. Jimmy Jimmy G fractured thumb. Now he's going to be questionable. That's that's a huge blow. Like, do you think the 49ers are they ready for Trey Lance to take over in week 17? Uh, you know, and I and I heard the high pitched end of your voice there because I'm with you. Yeah, you, you got to be nervous for him. Where you? Uh, it's almost <laughs> but, like the uh, Canadian upward inflection, as we can say that both being Michiganders, <laughs> because you know how that yeah. is. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk? <laughs> Um, but you know, Jimmy G, not only did he fracture that thumb, but there's ligament damage there too. And obviously, so Kyle Shanahan came out and did what most coaches do after a situation like this. And they said, well, you know, that's fine. But Trey Lance has had his best, you know, four practices or best four weeks of practice since the beginning of this season had started. And, you know, so He's putting on a brave face for his team. I, I don't think that anybody imagined uh, Jimmy G holding holding off Trey Lance this long into the season, personally. I, I think that they've counted on Lance to come in and almost force himself into the starting role. And Jimmy G in this game, 26 of 35, 322 yards. Yeah, he throws a couple of picks, but you know that's that's in a run-first offense – I don't. I don't know that you can ask for much more out of out of Jimmy Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think for for me, it's like you you hit the nail right on the head. It's a run first offense, first and foremost. And man, what a drop off from Eli Mitchell to Jeff Wilson, is there not? I mean, fourteen carries for forty five yards. I be I would honestly be willing to bet that if that was fourteen carries for Eli Mitchell, that's that's floating right around a hundred yards on the ground. And then we're possibly talking about a 2017 swing in the favor of the 49ers. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, in a game this close, you have to think about things like that. I mean, we're talking about a down-to-the-wire three-point game taking out your probably second-best offensive weapon right behind Debo, um, third probably behind George Kittle maybe. But either way, you're taking a top three, uh, top three producer out of that offense – and like you said, Jeff Wilson is showing his age, or he's just not showing. He had a good end of the year last year, but he's just not showing that same spark, uh, you know, this season in, in making up for the snaps that Mitchell has lost. Yeah, I think um, we've talked about plenty of times this season. I was trying to figure out which way I wanted to navigate these waters here. We've talked about this plenty of times of. Jimmy Garoppolo just hasn't looked great. He's looked 
good enough, which begs the question of how bad does Trey Lance look that we are not seeing to to the point that Jimmy G has held off Trey Lance from coming into the game and, and taking over the starting quarterback role? Or is this just a formality from Kyle Shanahan? It's tough to say, you know, Trey Lance, I think you saw some glimpses of some things while he was playing uh, earlier in the season, but there was definitely a lot of room to grow there. And maybe he's not quite growing. You know, this is a playoff team. This isn't one of the, like a Jacksonville Jaguars team where Trevor Lawrence is going to get every snap because you, you don't have any expectations for the season anyways. The 49ers are, are right in the thick of things and they've got a ready-made team. You know, that, that, that the defense is good. The offense, we just pointed out three key players while they're secondary players of Brandon Ayuk and, you know, some other players in that offense. This team can win now with with some good quarterback play. And so I think that they're – that's why Jimmy G's in there. I think he's just a known commodity at this point. But I, I kind of hope that Trey Lance does get his shot at the end of the season because – We'll be able to see if it's, you know, all coach speak about him having his best practices and them being confident in him or if it's just something to to build up the confidence of Trey Lance. Yeah. It's it's gotta be a scary feeling to be the San Francisco 49ers with an eight and seven record now. You know, the the right. Titans are firmly in 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 hold of the AFC South. But I mean, you're sitting in sixth position now as the 49ers. Like I said, eight and seven record. The problem is, is they're one and four against the division. That's the big problem. The NFC West is just destroying the San Francisco 49ers. And not to mention, by the way, Brandon, week 18, the 49ers have to play the LA Rams in. These last two games are absolutely must win. The only thing that's holding them in the sixth position right now is that they hold the tiebreaker over the Eagles because they beat the Eagles earlier in the season. Yeah, well, I think that if you are a San Francisco 49ers fan, you're, you're hoping that the Rams win this next week and maybe don't have anything to play for week 18 and can rest some starters. You know, that to me, that's that's kind of where you, you could really get a big boost from that aspect. It's not looking like that would be the case, just looking at the records and the matchups and things like that. But, you know, who knows? It, it very well could be a case where maybe they they get a little bit of a, a benefit from that. But, yeah, it, to, to your point, you look at the division records inside of the division and the Arizona Cardinals, who I'm, we'll cover them later, and that – it's going to be a, another lengthy conversation, I would bet. They're the only one that's, you know, four and one inside of that division and looking like they are handling it well. So mm. it's going to come down to the wire in this in this division, just like many of the others. Yep. I'm with you on that. Christmas Day football on a Saturday. The only thing better than Saturday football, Brandon, is Christmas <laughs> Day Saturday football. Unless yes, you're a sir. Cleveland Browns fan. <sighs> 22 to 24, Cleveland loses in Green Bay to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Led by 
I'm going to do Browns fans a little bit of a favor here. Led by three really bad interceptions and one probably missed call that resulted in a game-ending interception. But nonetheless, there were four total interceptions from Baker Mayfield. And for a team trying to get in the playoffs, Brandon, uh uh-uh, that can't happen. No, no, not at all. And what surprised me is how this Browns team hung around even after committing that many turnovers. You know, I, here you you look at Baker Mayfield, he turns the ball over four times. Aaron Rodgers, typical Aaron Rodgers things where he does not turn the ball over while also producing three touchdowns. And you would think that that is the recipe because going into this game, I thought that the, the Green Bay Packers were a better team anyways. So going into it, if you would have told me that Baker Mayfield was going to have four interceptions – I would have thought 20-point victory by Green Bay. You would have thought more of like a Dallas-Washington game. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And so the, the Browns really fought their way through this game, ultimately losing what should not have been a winnable game but turned out to be one. Yeah, it really should. I mean, it was it was surprisingly close, as you said, for, for the entire game. And uh, again... The Cleveland Browns are a run-first team, much like the San Francisco 49ers are, Brandon. You can't – Nick Chubb has 17 carries. I think I get it, you know, in comparison to looking at some of the other guys, Mixon at 18, Jamal Williams at 19. He's on par. But when you're a run-first team, you should be getting Derrick Henry-sized carries, which is mid to high 20s. You don't put yeah. it on the arm of an injured Baker Mayfield, who's, I think we said it last week, he looks like an operation table with all of the injuries <laughs> that he has. And if you touch in the wrong spot, he's going to buzz. Yeah, well, and and Danny, Nick Chubb was taking care of business too. You know, he, he, those 17 carries, 126 yards and a touchdown with the long being only 27 yards. And if you ask me why that that long being only 27 yards is important, well, you take that away from what he was producing in the day and that average doesn't that average is still a very impressive average uh, per carry, you know. So I really think that, you know, that they should have continued um just pounding the ball with Nick Chubb if Chubb did need a breather. We've got Darius Johnson, who he also had a thirty-yard run himself. You know, instead of putting it on the shoulders of an injured quarterback, who is, you know, sometimes the decision making just isn't that great. Right. It's it's on. Yeah. It's just not. We the, Cleveland's got to figure it out. They're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but that window is closing, and it's closing quick, fast, and in a hurry. I don't know how the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> have completely imploded as we jump ahead to our next game of the Indianapolis Colts winning 22-16 to over the Arizona Cardinals, which was our Christmas, Christmas Day nightcap. But, man, the Colts are, the Colts are for real, man. And it just it, it stinks if you're a Colts fan that they waited till too late in the season to turn it on. 
I mean, they're 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 firmly sitting in the fifth position in the in the AFC playoffs, so they should get in. But man, Carson Wentz is turning it on. How how epic was the last throw of that game from Carson Wentz? The last two throws were great, but that last throw, Brandon, was wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. The, the and it's going to have a lot of people really. You know, doing a, a double take when looking at this Colts team because you think twenty two sixteen. What's my first thought is looking at it and going, "Oh well, I guess Jonathan Taylor just dominated the game, and he played a major role in the game. He was over a hundred yards, so don't get me wrong, but almost the you know the counterpoint to Nick Chubb's twenty seven yard long." Jonathan Taylor's long run in that game was a 43-yard burst. If you take that off, we're now talking about 26 carries for 65 yards. Not great. Not not great at all. And so Arizona bottled up what has been a difference maker in the NFL uh, as, as of late with Jonathan Taylor. They were able to keep him to one big game. But then Carson Wentz, and I think that's the big question mark with this team is it, when the game calls for it, can Carson Wentz lead his team to those last-minute drives, make those throws through small windows, and and put his team on his back if Jonathan Taylor just – if they're not getting it done, done on the ground. And he showed that he can. Yeah. You know, our, our Colts reporter Chris Girardi said it, said it best. Just like that, Carson Wentz haters, they're all silent. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. Carson Wentz was we we. It seems like we talk about this probably way more than we should. Brandon, he was basically brought in as an afterthought to the Colts, especially when he got injured in the off season. And they're talking about Carson Wentz is not even going to play at all this season, let alone be playing winning football at the end of the season helping his team get to a nine and six record by week 16. So Carson Wentz was a, an inexpensive hail Mary of a fix to the quarterback position in Indianapolis after Phillip rivers retired. And it, it's showing that it's working out the, the reuniting him with Frank Reich and getting him back to where he was comfortable it's it's turned out to work well. Now, is he the long-term solution in Indianapolis? That's yet to be seen because I think that we've still all seen him, his game go up and down. So does he take that next step to be a true top-tier quarterback in this league? Or does he just kind of stay in that middling position where we see a lot of these players, just they, they've got a ceiling and they just can't crash through it? Yeah, I think... If Carson Wentz can find himself floating around the top 12, you know, give or take a spot or two, anywhere between like 9 and 13, let's say. I think that I think he and the entire Colt organization is happy with that. Because you don't Aesthetic. need yeah, yeah, you don't need him to be you, you don't need him to put up 400 plus yards every game. You've got Jonathan Taylor You've also got to remember that their number one wide receiver is T.Y. Hilton, and he plays less football than pretty much anybody that's in the NFL currently because he cannot stay healthy to save his life, unfortunately. 
So Michael Pittman's really kind of out there by himself at this point. You get him another target, and now you're talking about, okay, Carson Wentz now has two good targets. He's got a great running back. He's got a good offensive line. We need somebody that is a little bit better than serviceable, which is exactly what Carson Wentz is. Uh, yeah, and Danny, I think that to your point, the the number of receivers that are going to be out after this season, I would love for the Colts to go grab – an Allen Robinson, a Chris Godwin, a Michael Gallup. You know, the list goes on and on with these guys that are, are coming up on contract. Or maybe they go, you know, draft a, a, another player that, that can play next to Michael Pittman. But I think that they are one receiver away from really making things that much easier on Carson Wentz to where instead of having the one read, because we've seen it, Michael Pittman gets – 10 to 15 targets a game, it seems like, and still still is producing. If they could take some of the attention away from him, then this whole offense just, you know, continues to escalate. Yep. 100%. As we truck along here, Sunday Slate is now on the menu. We're going to take it down to the Atlanta Falcons when the Detroit Lions uh, paid a visit to the old Dirty South. Unfortunately, Tom Boyle enjoys getting the first or second overall pick way too much as the Lions lose 16-20 to to the Atlanta Falcons in a game that the Falcons did not look good in, and the Lions just looked a little bit worse. And honestly, it all boils down to me, no pun intended, <laughs> to the quarterback <laughs> play. It, so this game, if you're a Lions fan, you can't walk away from this too upset. In my estimation, you know, you've got a team that is the Atlanta Falcons are are not a great football team, but at the end of the day, they are what a seven win football team now. Yep, um, they're, they're they're in ninth position in the NFC playoff race. Brandon, they could this team could potentially make the playoffs. Yeah, and and so they go out there and just they don't look great. Um, but the the thing about the Lions late in the season is that they are playing pretty good football um you know it, it for the skill that is on this on this team i'd be curious if i could danny what percentage of this roster do you think they're going to turn over between this year and next season i'd say honestly if i had to put a number on it off the top of my head somewhere in the high 40 40 percent okay so let's assume that the 40 percent is going to be an upgrade in talent it, because that's what it should be. If that's the case, either through free agency, which the Lions have money. And they've the draft, got a good rapport now with players because they've got the coaching staff assembled. Yep. Yeah. And if they can get an injection of talent, and I know we've talked about this pretty frequently, but you know, you, you've got a team that's in the makings of having effort and skill the combination of the both, and I think this team could turn around. If you look at the Lions' uh, offensive numbers, they outproduced the, the Atlanta Falcons offensively. Mm-hmm. You know, Atlanta only had a total of 262 yards. Detroit was at 338. So if you look at that, 
and you just see that it was just opportunities, you know, missed opportunities. And then Tim Boyle, um, you know, making that, that, uh, zone read pass at the end there where he just made a bad decision. What, what does it say about Dan Campbell in the presser after the game, once again, taking the blame for, for the errant throw, just saying, Hey, I, I should have given him more time to read that defense. And you're like, man, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing, Dan. And I appreciate you taking all of the weight off the player's shoulders, but you got to kind of hold these guys accountable. And I'm not saying take the blame or, you know, throw them under the bus in your press conference, but just taking the blame at all times to me just seems almost like it's a little much at this point. To me, so I'd agree. If this was a ready assembled football team, then it gets into the territory of being too much. But I think he knows just like what you said earlier. This team's going to be 40% turned over tomorrow. Why throw salt into the wounds of half of these guys that may not catch on with another team because they're being released from arguably one of the bottom three teams in the league um, from a talent perspective. So I think that it's just, you know, he's looking out there and he's going, I'm trotting out Tim Boyle. I mean, what do you you want from me? And (laughs) he's not going (laughs) to – he's not going to say, oh, Tim Boyle played a terrible game because, I mean, think about it. It, what if what if that was the headline the next day? You know, Dan Campbell lambaste Tim Boyle for playing <laughs> for last second interception. It's like, well, what did you expect? It's Tim Boyle. I mean, yeah, that, that is true because then that takes everything that you just built up as far as reputation and locker room morale and just kind of just throws it right out the window when you go, oh, so you're you're beating up a a guy that is probably going to be jobless next season. Got it? Okay. Right. Moving on. <laughs> Can't wait to come play for you, coach. <laughs> uh, I, the 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 real benefit for the Lions, of course, in the loss is that now they are guaranteed to pick in the top five. They should get in the top three. However, that is still uh, that's still kind of up in the air. For hypothetically, they could win out. They could finish four twelve and one on the season, hypothetically. And then, honestly, well, thinking about it, Brandon, that is a possibility because the Packers have literally nothing to play for. And that's what I was going to say. So we talked about it with the Rams and their in their playoff picture. So unless the Green Bay Packers lose a game here, that puts them in any sort of jeopardy from losing that top overall seed. Which I, I don't see that. I mean, it's so. They're going to cruise into week 18 with, you know, who knows? Aaron Rodgers might be on the Manning cast with them. and and <laughs> How crazy would that be? <laughs> oh, that would be insane. Uh, we just have breaking news come across the wire, Brandon, as we go through here. Uh, Carson Wentz on the COVID list as it continues to run rampant through the NFL. Talk about poor timing. Ah, uh, not good. Not good at all. No, it's not. And Danny, would you be shocked if while we were recording two or three more guys, we get the same message? I, because I would not. I absolutely, absolutely would not be shocked. And would you be shocked if we still did not figure out how to interject with breaking news while recording the podcast without making it seem <laughs> awkward? 
I don't know if that'll happen either. What I do know is Amon Ross St. Brown is somebody you want to keep on your team if you're the Detroit Lions. I, I know he's a, under rookie contract the, the whole nine yards, but he is he's a superstar in the making for the Detroit Lions. He looks a lot like Golden Tate. He's small. He's he's elusive. He's got reliable hands. He can block pretty well. There's a lot of upside to Amon Rao St. Brown, and I absolutely am thrilled that he is on the Detroit Lions roster for at least four seasons. Well, you got to think. This guy's a fourth-round pick, and if you can Brad hit Holmes. on your picks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Brad Holmes, it, we'll see. I feel like there's always like a, a two- to three-year window to really see what you have in these players, but – Short of trading for a Cedric Benson or um, some of these other players that uh, you know, know that they made the trades for or have gotten into the lineup, I like what Brad Holmes has done. I agree. I think he's here. Here's and this is what I talked about when before we brought everything together. Uh, for the Gridiron on Tab network when it was lionsontap.com. Dude, Brad Holmes and John Dorsey collectively drafting is like an oh my god situation. If you're the Detroit Lions who are in who are are finally doing a proper rebuild. For those fans that don't oh rebuilding since 1957. No, it <laughs> What they've been doing is they've been patchworking. You know what? Let's plug and play. Let's just hope that this works with what we've got. Let's hope that this works with what we've got. And that obviously has not been the solution. Sheila takes over the team, gets rid of Fat Matt, gets rid of Bob Quinn, and now all of a sudden we've got ourselves a full, proper rebuild in the Detroit Lions organization. And... I honest I, I don't care about two twelve and, and one. I don't care about that. They could have went 0 and eight or 0 and seventeen. I'm sorry. And and I would have been okay with that as long as I saw the things that I need to see building towards the future. And they've exceeded my expectations for the most part this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and let me first uh correct something that I said. Our producer let me know that I had mentioned Cedric Benson, um, former running back for the Bears that that Brad Holmes had trade traded for. He has been out of the league for a while. It was not him, it was Trinity Benson, receiver from the Denver Broncos that he had acquired. You so, did say Cedric Benson, and the producer I and I made eye contact and then I grabbed water. That's that's <laughs> that's how that went down. <laughs> so um but Yes, I mean, if you're a Lions fan, it's tough. And I know the the cynics will look at, okay, well, 2-12-1, they still you know, are, are going a downward spiral in terms of producing wins. But when you can get a team like Dan Campbell has had the ability to do this season to continue to fight when you have no shot in the to make the NFL playoffs – I think that you are doing I think that you've got some skills from a head coaching position from a a position of leader of men to motivate and to get people bonded into your vision and 
to me, a lot of times, I think that sometimes the ex's nose can just get a little overdone. Okay, well, you know, he sits back. Not everybody's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick can go out, you give him two weeks to scheme a game, and he's, he's going to be prepared for it. But not all of the coaches are that way. We've seen over the years that there are some teams that just have coaches. You know, I think of John Harbaugh is one where they just love playing for that coach and they would run through a brick wall. And at very least, when they line up on Sunday, you know you're going to get their best effort. And I think that that is that, that there's a lot to say for that. I agree. Dan Campbell has the Detroit Lions players busting through brick walls like they're the Kool Aid men. That's all I've got. How about the the downward? Let's let's keep going this downward spiral trend that we were talking about. How about the Baltimore Ravens dropping yet another game, twenty one to forty one to the Cincinnati Bengals behind Joe Burrow in the fourth most passing yards ever in an NFL game with five hundred and twenty five yards. Oh, by the way, Brandon, he was thirty seven of forty six. It unbelievable. I mean, what a what a clinic put on by by Joe Burrow oh. in this game. Uh, I guess in looking at the game as a whole, if you tell me in a vacuum, Joe Burrow's going to play on Sunday, and then lining up across the opposing quarterback is going to be Josh Johnson, right? <laughs> then the, the the score that we're seeing, not not a big surprise there. But how this game was. And there was some back and forth to it a little bit. And Joe Burrow just put the team on his shoulders. And we talk about that. We talk about the the quarterbacks that can say, hey, everybody jump on. Uh, we're going to get there. That was one of these displays by, by Joe Burrow. You look at the Baltimore defense, what they do well is they stop the run. And they didn't. they did not allow much in terms of the ground game for for the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon only 18 carries for 65 yards, 3.6 average. It's, you know, they did exactly what they set out to do in terms of shutting Joe Mixon down, but they they couldn't touch Joe Burrow. No, they couldn't. And and if we're being completely honest, Brandon, if Lamar Jackson is playing in this game the way he's played the last few weeks, I don't know if the score is any different. You know, I know you talk about Burrow versus versus Josh, uh, Josh Jackson, but or Josh Johnson. I apologize, but would it have been any different? Because Lamar has looked really bad these last handful of weeks, and uh, the defense has looked terrible all season. I think they've had one solid outing the entire the entire day, or I'm sorry, the entire season. Again, uh, and they've just been getting gashed every single week. It's yeah. you know, Joe Burrow said after the game it wasn't necessary. It wasn't a necessary comment. <laughs> Did you see that? No, that, I didn't. The defensive coordinator for the Ravens said, "I don't think it's time to give Joe Burrow a gold jacket just yet." Okay, so the press conference after the game says, "I don't think that con- I don't think that was a necessary comment." <laughs> <laughs> He totally Aaron <laughs> Rodgers them, but I mean, dude. Here's here's the thing though: is when you when when you look at what you've got with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm gonna go on record and say this loud and proud, and I am not a Bengals fan, so to speak. So I'm not a homer. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
have a good receiving core. And Tampa Bay is close, but the Cincinnati Bengals have the best wide receiving group in the league. Well, and and to further that point and to scare much of the AFC, they're young. You're looking at a first-year guy and a second-year guy. Yeah. You know, so you're going to be dealing and trying to write up. (laughs) You know, it's really ironic that – the the Ravens defensive coordinator, that was his comment because he is going to get to see a lot of Joe Burrow over the next few years, assuming he stays there. And who knows? He may be the one that actually puts the the, the gold jacket on Joe Burrow. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you never know. Fast forwarding. But Danny, if you look at Baltimore, so we'll just stick on the doom and gloom uh, train that we're on right now. They play the Rams next. Yeah, it's not looking <laughs> good for them, Brandon. It's not. And then a Steelers matchup uh, on the ninth, you know, in two weeks, in week 18. And no, the Steelers aren't super skilled, but they're going to punch you in the mouth. Yeah, they're still the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, you're sitting in eighth if you're Baltimore now. The Dolphins took over the seventh position in the playoffs. You're eight and seven. You're one and four against your own division. You're five and six against the AFC. I, you're not going to beat the Rams. So now you're no, looking at I eight mean, and I, eight, and you're probably out of if you these two these last two games are absolutely must win. You cannot lose one of them and make the playoffs. Right. So that I mean. Eh, Say what you want about the backfield being injured and, and and the whole nine. When they've had a roster that's healthy this season, meaning all of their starters, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, Hollywood Brown, when they've had all of these guys, they still haven't looked that great. They're getting by on just pure talent, and they're squeaking by. They shouldn't have beaten the Lions earlier in the season. No, and I, I would argue that the only one playing above his weight right now is Mark Andrews, tight end. And Can we call I, him I the best tight end in the league, Brandon? I was just going to say, this year he is. And in, I, I think that, once again, he's young too, so it'll be awesome to see what he grows into. But if you are a Baltimore Ravens fan, there's not much to hang your hat on this year. And, and that's too bad because the way that Lamar Jackson came onto the scene this season – torching everybody with his arm, showing that he wasn't just a running quarterback. And, you know, we, we've seen what's happened since then, and it's too bad, you know, if you're a Baltimore fan. It really is. Uh, Los Angeles Rams got it done in Minnesota, 30-23 to 23 over the Vikings. And I, I saw an article in the LA Times, and the headline said, Rams win in spite of Matthew Stafford's performance. And then the very first paragraph started and said, a luxury that Matthew Stafford never had with the Detroit Lions is the team rallying around him having a poor performance. And that really hurt. (laughs) It it did. It, it, It hit deep, man. Because it's true. Stafford did not play well. And his team still got it done. 
Justin Jefferson still had eight receptions for 116 yards, and Kirk Cousins threw up over 300 yards. Like it, but this is what it, this is why football is the ultimate team game. You're not going to be perfect every time you go out on that field. It's just not possible unless you're a machine or a robot. I mean, people talk about Tom Brady all the time. Tom Brady's not looked good some in some games this season. The last game against the Saints, the only thing that he did that was notable was break a Microsoft Surface. <laughs> that was yeah. it. But, man, look at this Rams team is rolling. I love that Matthew Stafford is going to hold the record as the quarterback. It's not even a record. I'm making it a record. He's the quarterback to throw <laughs> the number one and number two most yards in an NFL season to, to Calvin Johnson and to Cooper Cup. I couldn't be any more happy for the guy than I am, and I'm 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 looking forward to to seeing how these Rams team performs in the playoffs. Yeah, I, well, I, I'll be interested as well because you saw you did see another performance where you know Matthew Stafford has a QBR of thirty eight point three and an overall rating of forty six point eight. That's just it's okay to have these you know a, a stinker or two amongst the regular season. You can't do that, and we just saw it in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. You know they they came close to overcoming his four interceptions. Well, we're looking at a situation where the Rams, you know, that due to a kick return, were able to best the Minnesota Vikings, who settled for way too many field goals, in my opinion. But um, three interceptions is just not going to get it done no. if you plan to go far into the playoffs. It's true. I think. Um Something to note for this Rams offense, though. Daryl Henderson, no worries. There's not to play. It's okay. 131 yards for Sony Michelle. Cam Akers is coming back this week. <laughs> like they've, yeah. I mean, can we call it what it is, Brandon, in the Rams backfield? Can you call it <laughs> what it is for me, please? I, I would love to. It, it looks. That they have an embarrassment of riches back there. It does. Um, but what I'd say is, so Sony Michelle, this is a guy that's coming out with a chip on his shoulder. You know, New England kind of outcasted him, didn't really need him. So they they moved him. And he's kind of been quietly sitting behind Daryl Henderson early in the year. And then now, the, over the past couple of weeks, he's taken this backfield. And you could argue that uh, Daryl Henderson and him were going to split this game if Henderson did not get hurt. What I worry about, however, though, Cam Akers is coming off of an Achilles. That's a tough, tough injury to come back from. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he has the same explosiveness and same ability to to tote the rock as he did before he got hurt. Because if he does, you're looking at the starting running back all of a sudden, it's like a trade deadline acquisition where he just gets dropped in your running back room again. Yeah, which is it's absolutely remarkable. It's I I want to see Cam Akers at the NFL level. We haven't seen that yet. You know, I I can't wait to see what he can do. You know, another player I can't wait to see is Travis Etienne with the Jags next season when he comes back. Jags, of course, they lost. To the New York Jets, twenty-six to twenty-one. 
The only interesting thing, realistically, from this game, in my opinion, is that uh, Byron Leftwich is officially on, has been given permission from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to interview with the Jags for their head coach vacancy. That is that is definitely interesting, um, you know, and good for him. You know, Byron Leftwich is he's been kind of ascending behind the scenes and and has been patted on the back and. and pointed to as an up-and-coming star in this league and good for him um you know i i mean i look at that jacksonville jaguars team and you know there's obviously a lot to do there um, <laughs> but if he gets the job then that's what all of these guys aspire to is is to get that head coaching job and and you know leaving their fingerprint on a franchise and you know i, I think that this uh luckily for him He's going to be going into a situation if he does get the position that the fans were ready to move on. There, there was, this was not a. Um, we hear it all the time on our social media, Danny. You know the the whole uh, David Caldwell. You know it just seems like we're always hearing about how Caldwell had them where they needed to be, and then they they got rid of him early or Wayne Fonts if you if you go back further or whatever it is. Oh wow. That's not the situation that Leftwich <laughs> is walking into. He's walking into a dumpster fire of a situation. So but, but here's the thing that that worries me for any coach getting into a situation like that. You're walking into a losing situation and that's what I hope he realizes. And I don't mean it in terms of the talent isn't there or you know, players are leaving. Morale, morale is probably in the toilet if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars player, based off of just Urban Meyer verbally lambasting them every single week at practice <laughs> and physically assaulting them by kicking them in the legs. But I, I hope that fans are receptive to Byron Leftwich and allow him the the proper amount of time. Where you know Detroit Lions fans were like, "Oh, this guy wants to bite off kneecaps." Twenty percent of fans are like, "This guy's a joke. I don't like Dan Campbell. This guy's terrible." They lose the yep. first game. They go, "Oh my god, this is going to be terrible." Well, yeah, of course it's going to be terrible. It's a rebuild. That's how that works, and that's what the Jags are doing. Except the Jags are, you know, in terms of comparisons to the Lions, they're probably what a year or two ahead. They just haven't found a coach that can actually put the talent together. And I think that's exactly what Byron Leftwich can do. Yeah. Well, and I'd agree with you. The the worry that I have for Jacksonville Jaguars fans, and you touched on it, is every coach comes in with their own system. So is the the personnel, or the I'm sorry, the coaches that he brings in, would they have the personnel on that Jaguars team to do what they want to do? Will they modify their plans to fit the personnel? Or will they just tear down and go, we're only year one into a brand new quarterback. We could get a rebuild done our way. And then Jacksonville's looking at, you know, a, a delayed rebuild that they thought was already underway. Yep. Who knows? Italy, uh, I, I just hope that fans are appreciative of trying to right the ship and getting rid of Urban Meyer earlier. I don't want to say early in the season, but getting rid of him before it was too far gone in Jacksonville. 
33-21. Buffalo Bills finally got it right, Brandon. Taking out the New England Patriots in New England, no less. And, uh, man, talk about living and dying by one player, though. Is This is a great question. I think we have to ask this to all Buffalo Bills fans, Brandon. Is Josh Allen the most relied upon player in the entire NFL? I would say, just shooting from the hip here, with the Derrick Henry injury that he now is. Um, Before that, I would have said that, you know, D- Derrick Henry played in an offense that lived and died by him getting the ball 35-plus times and wearing those defenses down, which just going back to them, you know, they – they got AJ, AJ Brown back this or this past game, and here he is with north of 140 yards. So they were able to adapt. But I think the more dangerous thing about the situation with relying on Josh Allen is you've got a quarterback that runs the ball, sits in the pocket uh, with the ball, and slings the ball downfield while taking hits in both areas. And you know, I. Buffalo Buffalo Bills fans, I'm probably not telling you anything you don't know, and that Mitchell Trubisky would be a drop-off from if Allen were to ever be hurt. So I think they are playing with fire each and every week when they start calling quarterback sneaks and things like that because he's a tough runner, he's a gamer, and he doesn't he doesn't slide. He doesn't go down. He takes all of those hits. Yeah, it's it's a scary situation to think about if Josh Allen is gone for any for any amount of time. And it doesn't to me it doesn't matter who the backup quarterback is. Unless you luck out and you get, you know, say Ben Roethlisberger wants to come out of retirement or you know what I mean? Like something like that where you're going to get like a a Matt Ryan to be your backup quarterback where you go, "Okay, well, I mean, he's just he's not mobile, but guy can sling it, you know." But yeah. Josh Allen, man, this this Buffalo Bills team lives and dies by on the body of Josh Allen. Like you said, he runs the ball. He throws the ball. He's not sliding. He's he's taking these gut-wrenching shots that just make you go, oh God. And and the football fan in me has visions of RG3 getting laid out and never being the same again. And it's just They've got to do something to get Josh Allen some help in Buffalo. They've got great talent around him, but it just seems like this team on the offensive side would completely fall off a cliff if Josh Allen is not playing an elite game week in and week out. Yeah, well, and so I started thinking that they were going that route because if you look at the previous game that they had against um, Carolina – Devin Singletary got the ball 22 times. He only had 86 yards, and but he did get into the end zone. But it looked like, okay, now we're getting into more of a palatable, well-rounded offense that, you know, Devin Singletary, I don't think anybody's game planning for him, but it allowed Josh Allen to just not be taking so many hits. That's 22 times that Josh Allen did not get hit. And... Then here we go into this game, and it's you know they get they get right back to just 
Josh Allen running the ball just as much as the running backs. Josh Allen had 12 carries. Devin Singletary, 12 carries. You know, and it's, I feel like that's what they were trying to get away from. Now, granted, this was a game against the New England Patriots, and I, I think that it was really important for this Buffalo Bills team to get a statement win against the Buffalo Bills, especially after how they lost that last game. I mean, that last game was an embarrassment. It was. But, so you you go back, and yeah, they, they beat up on the Panthers, but the Bills are supposed to beat up on the Panthers. But before that, they lose a heartbreaker to the Buccaneers, and then before that, the Patriots lost. And then even if you go back a couple weeks before that, they got shellacked by the Colts, 41-15. to 15. You know, I, I've never used that word before. I like the I like your word usage. I feel that yeah, we are I opening up the that. thesaurus today, and we are just uh, we're going for it, man, head first. Yeah, absolutely, dive it. in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, three and three in their last, you know, six games. But I think that you look at the competition in their victories, and it's night and day. And I think that now, okay. Let's make a statement. Let's show that we are still a team, a formidable team that can make some noise in the playoffs. And who knows? Maybe they may have just uh, put themselves back on the map in the AFC picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they took over the AFC East now. You know, something that they they held on to for the majority of the uh, of the season, and then they started falling down. The Patriots took over and go, "Oh boy, here we go. Here come the Patriots again." Yeah. But I mean, you don't know. It, it's Man, this is the this is what's super interesting though, is because they split the season series, they've got the same record, so then it's going to go to division games where it's four and one versus three and two, six and five and seven and three in the conference. So man, this is going to get into a very deep tiebreaker if it needs to. Yeah, well, I'm curious because the way that I'm looking at it right now. You look at New England, and they've got Jacksonville and Miami to play. Buffalo has Atlanta and the Jets. You could argue that both – I mean, those games should both be winnable, although I think the Dolphins are going to be better than the Falcons, and I don't think I'm breaking any news there. So I think that the Buffaloes have an easier path especially if Mac Jones plays how he did in this past game. You know, Mac Jones, is he's been in quite the story this season, but you can't throw for under 200 yards and still turn over the ball twice. No. You just can't do it. Nope, you can't. More breaking news, Brandon. Not COVID-related. The Jags have now officially requested to interview Byron Lefwich, Todd Bowles, Kellen Moore, and have an interview scheduled with Doug Peterson for next week. Wow. All right. They're that's, moving quickly. That's exciting news if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base. I I, I, yeah, I don't care which way you go because you need work on both sides. You need either an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach. Maybe you land maybe you land Todd Bowles and he brings in Byron Leftwich as an offensive coordinator again. Because I, I and I don't I don't want to go backwards, but I mean breaking news like this you you, you got to talk about. Maybe you put Todd Bowles as your head coach. You bring Byron Lefwich in as your offensive coordinator. The reason why I say give him one more opportunity as an offensive coordinator is because, dude, you got Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's it. 
But you've got <laughs> <laughs> you've got all of these great players where half of those names I just talked about are going to go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Let's see what you can do with a ragtag group of young, talented, having gotten it together players with an experienced, defensive-minded head coach in Todd Bowles who has been a successful defensive coordinator in Tampa. In Arizona, he earned himself a, a head coaching spot with the Jags. Or I'm sorry, the Jets. But it's the Jets. Nobody does good with the Jets. doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good you were before. You're not doing good with the Jets. I'm excited for the Jags. Yeah, I, so I'm I'm excited for the Jags as well. Um, but the one thing that I would really like to see, and this, this goes for college football and the NFL, can we stop with the coaching interviews as the season is going on and playoff pictures are coming into play and you know you've got these coaches so Byron Leftwich is going to have some playoffs games to scheme up like can we not pluck him and fly him to Jacksonville I mean granted I guess close proximity there but I just I really wish that they could find a way to do this and that way I feel like a lot of these coaching searches are so knee-jerk and it's like cloak and dagger behind the scenes and floated information. And, you know, if they could just somehow, which I know that in reality, there's probably not a way, but part of me feels for these players that that have coaches or, or you know, coordinators that are going to be off interviewing and talking about how they're taking another team on. And and those coaches, those same coaches during the media sessions are going to say, well, no, the game against, you know, Los Angeles is my, is my number one focus right now. Is it, or is it that payday? That, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it, it can't be both. Right. And, and, you know, behind the scenes, they're saying, Oh, I'm super ready to come take over and be and be the guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then he's on a podium a day later talking about how he's not distracted. And you know that there are players in that room that are that are distracted. And I just I think it does a disservice to the game. Is it that measurable? Is it as measurable as I'm making it out to be? Probably not, but that's always just been a thing that's you know, it bothered me from these coaching searches and and the fallout that that comes from them. Um all I'm saying, and I know that it's probably too early, Jacksonville, stay away from Aaron Glenn. Yes, you can't have him. Can't have him. I think the Lions got a guy there. And granted, I think he's still too new to to get an opportunity like that. But, um, you know, I, I just I, I don't want to see him going to any other regimes. You know what? I here's and I said I don't mean to beat a dead horse talking about the Jags. What's up with the Jacksonville Jaguars fans wanting Josh McDaniels so badly? You you really want to put all of your stock in a guy that's going to go? Yep, I'll be your head coach. Psych! <laughs> I don't want to be your head coach. I would not even consider Josh McDaniels. I don't care how good you are. Your track record is being a POS. Let's call yep. it what it is, Brandon. I yep. do not want Josh McDaniels anywhere near my team if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Because do you know how 
far, that's going to set you back. If you think you've got your guy and then he decides, oh, no, this situation is too tough for me. I want to stay in New England. (laughs) Well, not only that, but when are we going to stop with the retreads of coaches and and thinking that anybody who's coached a day with Bill Belichick is is in his mind and and going to be able to recreate what he's done in New England. What he's done in New England, it will never be done again. And I don't say that from a success, like amount of success. You could probably put two you know, franchises up next to each other and may, there may be one down the road that is just as successful. But what Bill Belichick has done and the system that he created, him in conjunction with Tom Brady, we're never going to see anything like that again. No. In, in the in the history of the end, at least in our lifetime. Right. <sighs> Do we have football? We still have games to talk about. Eh, not really. We got the, <laughs> the Giants 10, Eagles 34. Sorry, Giants. I mean, yeah. How about the Buccaneers lambasting the <laughs> Panthers 32 to 6 to winning the NFC South division? They didn't do that last year, Brandon, but they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn, seven carries for 70 yards. Antonio Brown is back. Dude, the Buccaneers are beat up. Shaq Barrett's probably done for the for the entire postseason stretch as well. Mike Evans is on COVID. Chris Godwin is is done for the season. Uh, the injuries just Leonard keep, Fournette. Fournette's <laughs> done for the season. I mean, the injuries just keep piling up and up. And Bruce Arians is a he says this probably at nauseum. Next man up. Ah, oh, whatever yep. it's, you know, it's the next man up. But how many times do we have to say this, Brandon? The next man up ain't as good as the first man up. That's why he's next. That's why he wasn't first up. <laughs> Unless oh. you've got Le'Veon Bell oh. that you can trot out, bring him right out of mothballs again. He had a good game, didn't he? Oh, yeah, sure. I, I'm looking for I'm looking more forward to watching Le'Veon Bell box one of the Paul brothers. <laughs> Just beat beat one of those morons into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> is that what he's doing is just taking handoffs from NFL teams and and practicing the pummeling for the boxing ring because two two carries here negative 1 yard I mean come on like like I just don't understand some of these Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell. I get to the to get to that level that they were at. You've got to there's got to be a certain level of self-confidence and when your abilities just don't maintain with your mentality, I get that there's probably a disconnect that 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 puts you out on that field thinking you can do what you did five years ago. But it's really tough to watch some of the players that have played in our era and really done well for themselves just squeeze that orange until there's nothing, absolutely nothing left. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing that Le'Veon Bell has going for him is he has like a 36-pack of abs, and that's <laughs> that's kind of all he's got left in the tank, man. Is The guy is cu- – look, he he's in tremendous shape, but being in tremendous shape doesn't mean that you're in good football shape, and we've seen that time and time again over the years, and 
it's unfortunate, like you said, to see some of these guys that were in the upper echelon in the top tier of their skill positions just kind of crumble down and not be able not being able to accept that their time is their time is over. You know, th- think about uh, think about Barry Sanders. Let's say Barry Sanders played another four or five seasons. Would we remember Barry Sanders the way that we remember Barry Sanders had he done what what some of these older players like Le'Veon Bell are doing? I don't think so. Um, no, I don't think so. But it it didn't seem to hurt Emmett Smith very much. Well, Emmett Smith also took a third of the shots that some of the other guys did because every single member of that offensive line is in the Hall of Fame. That doesn't hurt. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I put the ball on the tee and you deliver it. That was more of just a uh, Emmett Smith was not as good as Barry Sanders comment. Oh, boy. I'll take that to my grave. So, Did you do that to me? I'm the Cowboys reporter for Christ's <laughs> sake, Brandon. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Cut the show. Producer, cut it off. We're done. <laughs> I'm going to die now. I'm going to God. Speaking of dying, Brandon, what the hell happened to the Chargers? 41 to 29 loss to the Texans. Dude, you're in you're holding your own destiny in the to get into the playoffs. And now you're ninth. Because you got destroyed by the tight or the Texans. Who saw this coming? So this is definitely one of the games on our preview that we just went, up oh, next. Well, and then the NFL says, wait, watch this. You know, just Hold like my beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like two weeks ago when we saw uh, you know, the Lions beat the the Cardinals and you know, there there's a couple of these every week, but like you said, when you have a team that has so much control of their own destiny and can really just take an easy win and ride off into the sunset. They, that's not at all what happened. Um, and things, you know, things get a, don't get much easier for them. You've got the Broncos that we, we've talked about it. They're a top 10 defense across all areas. And then they play at Las Vegas, which don't get me wrong. Those are both winnable games, but you don't have the ability to lose these winnable games like that and then still. There's only a limited number of opportunities to control your own destiny, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And you've said it. This was disheartening. You have said it well, sir. It's, um, uh, I, I don't, I don't even know what to think. This to me just shows me how much Austin Eckler means to this team. That's what that shows me. Bar, bottom, bottom line, Austin Eckler is by far the MVP for the LA Chargers. Yeah, well, and let, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball because um, Davis Mills, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, right? right? Where he threw for over 300 yards and and we were just saying, yeah, he's an unfinished product and, and blah, blah, blah. Once again, 21 of 27, 254 yards, two touchdowns while leading his team to a victory. Rex Burke had 22 carries, 149 yards and two touchdowns. It's... You know, I, I think that some of these teams are rising up and having a great, great motivation by playing spoiler to these other teams. And 
I don't want to take too much away from Houston because they came out and took this game as much as the Los Angeles Chargers underdelivered. They really did, and that's I think that's the big take home for this game is that the Los Angeles Chargers aren't ready. They're just not. They're they are at one point they looked like one of the best teams in the NFL, and they're just not ready. You don't you don't you don't let that happen. It doesn't matter it. They they were missing Mike Williams, who has been relatively ineffective over the last this last half of the season. He's he came out of the first what five weeks, right out of the gates, was a hundred plus yards every single game, a couple touchdowns every game. Like he he was gonna go. Oh my gosh, Mike Williams, you better watch out for him. They were missing Austin Eckler, and that was really it. And the team completely imploded. And that just tells me that they are not ready. And Maybe next year, guys. Maybe next year. Yep. How about the Bears? The only thing interesting about this Bears-Seahawks game to me was the weather. I love watching <laughs> football in the snow. <laughs> like, there's no playoff. There's nothing. They're both 5-10 and 10 teams. There's nothing that's that's even remotely, you know, at stake for either one of these teams. But man, it was just it was one of those games I had to have on on my game mix just so I could look over every now and then and be like, oh snow. I don't get that in Florida. <laughs> but that was it, Brandon. Yeah, for me, there there was a little bit more that was that was interesting about it. Um, in that just some comments that Matt Nagy made about Justin Fields and Nick Foles and that whole it's just such a strange, strange thing. Um, so he he said that Matt Nagy came out and said that Foles was going to get the start. Fields may or may not be the backup. And that wasn't due to injury. That was more of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Matt Nagy, if he does not, if he does not start clearly articulating what Justin Fields means to the rebuild of, of the Chicago Bears. I just I, I just feel like he's been running him through the ringer and maybe he's not having the best rookie season of all the other rookie quarterbacks out there, but you know, you, you've got to build him up at some point and it's not like you're exactly playing for anything right now. I just don't get the whole kicking while he's down type of conversation with the media. Yeah, it's. I don't, I think Matt Nagy definitely knows that he's gone after the season, and I think that's all he's yeah. doing is he's he's going out kicking and screaming, and it's really unfortunate. And I think that's exactly. I might even have to put that on a quote. Matt Nagy is going out <laughs> of of his NFL head coaching career, kicking and screaming and throwing a temper tantrum in press conferences. The 2021 Temper Tantrum Award goes to <laughs> Matt Nagy. <laughs> did you know the last time the Chiefs started off, and I think this was a graphic that we actually did, Brandon, when you wrote this, is it time to sound the alarm article back a few months ago on uh, yep. on the Gridiron website? The last time the Chiefs started with the same record they had, they won the AFC West. Do you know what they did this season, Brandon? <laughs> they won the AFC West. I was just going to say they came in and wrapped it up. That's 36-10. unbelievable. 36-10 over the Steelers. 
they're finally they're finally starting to come together, and this is the team that we expected to see all season. And the fact that they're eleven and four and they played terribly for the better part of this season is actually pretty remarkable. It really, it really is. You know, we this went from being a team that I was covering that it was like you said, it was it was frustrating because it almost felt like the the fan base was indebted to something like they were owed the the division and so it was really interesting my my interactions going with them because or going back and forth with them on social media because i would write things like this team cannot continue to play this poorly on defense while patrick mahomes is also playing this poorly and have a hope this season which Fell on death really, it wasn't. Brandon. It was a it, it was a slight at Patrick Mahomes, and that's how everybody takes it. <laughs> uh, it, it was. It was unbelievable. Um, and so, it, part of me though, after being so involved with this team all season, is you know I can appreciate what they're doing. They, they, they I don't know what happened in that locker room or what magic pixie dust and Andy Reid is sprinkling on his team, but. They're just they're one of these teams that flipped a switch and once they flipped that switch they haven't looked back. Nope. And so they haven't needed to and that's the defense stepped up and that was the biggest thing is you I mean you talked about that pretty routinely and you tried to be as complimentary of Patrick Mahomes as possible. Honestly, you really did. But the fact remains is that Patrick Mahomes has become one of, one of those polarizing players where you can't say he had a decent game. Oh my God, what are you a hater? You said <laughs> decent. It's Patrick Mahomes, he only had four interceptions, two fumbles. What do you mean decent? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, um, I apologize, yep. but it's. I mean the 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 Chiefs are looking like they are the favorites in the AFC. I will be interesting because they look like a, they look like they're ready for the playoffs. I'll be interested to see what happens when they end up meeting up with with you know who who are they going to end up playing? Possibly the the winner of the Titans. If the playoffs started next week, they'd play the winner of what the Titans Dolphins. Yep. Or I guess they play the lowest remaining seed, don't they? Yes, they would play the lowest remaining seed amongst the teams. So, so yeah, it, it could be what Titan. I'm sorry, it could be the Dolphins, the Patriots, or or the Colts. All teams that I would be scared of playing, to be honest with you, because they're all currently on hot streaks right now, and maybe not the Patriots, but you're still going against Bill Belichick. He knows yeah. how to take away any any strength that you have. He knows how to give you some kryptonite for it. Right, right. Well, and and I would really, you know that I'm a big proponent of this, but I would really like to see some sort of, you know, turbulence felt by this Kansas City Chief, uh, Kansas City Chiefs team before they get into the playoffs, because I think otherwise we're going to see a team that's riding just a little bit too high. I, I always love to see teams have to deal with a little bit of adversity, and who knows, maybe you know the early season struggles that they had where they oh I mean they they started off four and three maybe they maybe that was their adversity um but I would like to see maybe they go out and get throttled by the Bengals and then they can re- reset 
have a decent game about uh, against the Broncos and then go in with a fresh reset mind of dealing with that adversity. I think that the adversity pulls teams closer and I, I wouldn't mind seeing that for this team. <sighs> Las Vegas Raiders got it done. 17-13 over the Denver Broncos who are still just a quarterback away. You say it. I, I think you've said this. There's been what? 16 weeks now. I think you've probably said this 14 out of 16 weeks. <laughs> And you're and you've never been wrong, and you've never been you've never been more correct than you have this last week, because that's what really that's what cost them the game. Outside of the fact that they ran for what uh, fifteen total yards, that's embarrassing. Yeah, we got to talk about yep. that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's not act like this this Las Vegas Raiders team is. You know, the old crazy Oakland Raiders uh, back when they had a defense that was insane and, you know, painting their faces and everything. This is a much, much different Las Vegas Raiders team. And I, how you're this inept mm. in a game against them, I have no idea. You know, because the defense in reality did what they were supposed to do. 17 points allowed. I, I that should keep you in contention most games. And at the end of the day, they were in contention. But you you cannot produce 158 total yards and expect to go out and win. And Danny, you know, Drew Locke, this has got to be the exclamation point. I mean, this has to be the inflection point of his career in terms of being an NFL quarterback. I mean, he who knows? Maybe he'll make a long career of holding the clipboard, but I think we've seen enough Drew Locke by this point to 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 be over it. I agree. I, I think, uh, yeah, Drew Locke is – I look at a guy like Drew Locke and go, man, how bad is David Blau? Yeah. You know, like we we saw David Blau with arguably a a lesser talent around him put up decent numbers when he took over as the third stringer in Detroit. Drew Locke is the backup. Yeah. He's not even the third string. He's the straight up backup to Teddy Bridgewater, who Teddy Bridgewater, love you, man, but he shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore either. Right. And... You're wasting guys like Javante Williams. You're wasting whatever is left in Melvin Gordon's tank. You're wasting it right now. He's still showing that he still is a threat. Will he be as good next year? Who knows? Running backs, running backs careers just fall off a cliff. And we may never see that may be the pinnacle of Melvin Gordon's career right there. That may be the last good season that he has, and it was wasted on having Teddy Bridgewater as your starting quarterback with Drew Locke as your backup quarterback, all because you didn't want to hurt whoever the new owner was going to be. You didn't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, well, and we talk about well-balanced offenses pretty frequently on our show. And for as much as a, a good running game can take the heat off of a quarterback a little bit, 
a good passing game does that for your running backs too. It's going to unload that box. And instead of getting hit by four guys running at full speed, maybe they only get hit by two guys running at full speed. Yeah, <laughs> hey, half, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> when these guys are, you know, anywhere from 240 to 300 pounds, that's a lot of extra weight that Damn right <laughs> you're it is. getting hit with. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, to your point, it, I think that splitting the load uh, with Javante Williams has helped Melvin Gordon, but they've both taken a lot of shots and, and they've had a lot on their shoulders. And you're not only that, but you're wasting the talents of these wide receivers. You, you look at Jerry Judy, you look at Cortland Sutton, you look at Tim Patrick, you look at you know all of these guys, and they should be a premier pass catching group. Noah Fant. Albert O, you, you've got guys that should be, on paper they already are, one of the tops amongst the league. Yeah. But they're they're, they're not. They're producing like Lions receivers. Oh, well, they're producing worse than Lions receivers. Let's, like, let's call a spade a spade, Brandon. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> when you compare and, – and here's the here's the sad part is when you compare somebody who's been written off like Jared Goff – Versus somebody that people refuse to write off like Teddy Bridgewater and go, well, actually, Jared Goff is performing. Teddy Bridgewater is not even close to performing. Well, let's go, let's go a little bit deeper. Maybe, maybe Jared Goff's just got better guys around him. Oh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have better guys around him. He's got an, an emerging rookie. He's got an afterthought in Josh Reynolds who's playing well. He's got Khalif Raymond. Brandon, let me let me let, let, let's be real. Where's Khalif Raymond going to start next season? If he's lucky, he will catch on as a special teams member somewhere. Exactly. Uh, he's got T.J. Hawkinson. Great. Okay, so he's got two great two good receivers in Josh Reynolds, who was good in Tennessee. He was just you've got you've got AJ Brown and you've got Julio Jones. You assume Julio Jones is not going to be made of glass every single season, but he is. Josh Reynolds is out of the fold when you sign Julio Jones. You've got Jerry Judy, you've got Tim Patrick, you've got Cortland Sutton, you've got all these great players that you named that Teddy Bridgewater has around him, and he's not doing squat with them. It's frustrating, Brandon. So it, it is. And you know, there's no bigger splash that a new owner can make than going out and getting a shiny new quarterback. And I don't think that draft has one of those nope. guys that is a must get. So I've got a feeling that we're going to see ownership directed acquisition of a quarterback and pick up one of these guys. Is it a Deshaun Watson? Is it, you know, it could be it could be a litany of guys, but I think that we're going to see the Denver Broncos right around draft time make a big splash for a quarterback. And it's entirely it's I, I it, that's what they have to do. That's literally all you need. Your defense is fine. Your offense has fantastic players around it. You just got to get somebody that can get them the ball. And Teddy Bridgewater is not the guy anymore. Do we even need to talk about the Sunday night football game, Brandon? 
56-14, Cowboys. <laughs> I'll only say this because, uh, once again, you, you are the reporter for the Cowboys. It was great to see this offense step back into themselves a little bit because – and. Sorry to all the Cowboys fans. I know that we've got a lot of a lot of listeners, a lot of readers that in Cowboy Nation. The team was terrible to watch over the last few weeks. So I'm glad that now we have a defense that's performing and then the offense stepping into their their own shoes and now this team looks like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, that this is against the Washington football team, but it's got to be a sigh of relief to see that they can at least get back to their ways a little bit. If you're a Cowboys fan, all sides of the ball came together. And here, here's the best part is I, I was, I was talking about this to you on, but before we came on air is Trevon Diggs is totally feast or famine, right? He's given up more receiving yards than any other cornerback in the league, but he's got 11 interceptions and you go, well, God, when so you have to throw at him because you know you're going to get one off, right? You know you're at least going to get something, but then you can't throw to him because you're guaranteed you're to get an interception, and it's it's scary because he's young. Micah Parsons is a rookie, putting up ridiculous numbers. Every uh, everybody is playing at a high level for the Dallas Cowboys, and it just seemed to click on Sunday and go, "Oh wow, this is the Cowboys team that's going into the playoffs." Okay, so how about them boys, Brandon? <laughs> well, I, I think once again, I think if you, if you're a Cowboys fan, there's a lot to be excited about from this last performance. Now, they play the Cardinals this week and then the Eagles after that. I think that these are going to be a couple of matchups that not uh, so we've talked about a lot of scheduling for a lot of these teams and I go, "Ooh, that's not a good matchup." Ooh, that's the Cowboys they are supposed to be the pr- one of the premier teams, probably top 2 3 teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're playing the Cardinals. I don't care if you're playing the Eagles. This is time for you. We've seen you have your your little bit of adversity that you faced where you've just you were winning some games but you weren't doing it pretty and it didn't, you know, it just didn't look like you were the Cowboys team that you were supposed to be. Well, put all of that aside, come out and perform against the Cardinals and the Eagles and then go into the playoffs on a on a high point. It's it's all you could ask for as a Cowboys fan. And I am very happy to represent Cowboys Nation for for the gridiron on tap <laughs> because I love being – it's such a different feeling being part of a loving fan base, Brandon. Because, look, you and I both cover the Lions as well. We kind of take turns doing that because that that's where our hearts lie. I, I rolled with the Cowboys because I understand how Cowboys Cowboys fans deserve to have good reporting. They just do. They love their team. Every time I post anything Cowboys related, it's like half a million people interact with the post, and it's absolutely insane. 
and I can't be any more grateful for for that. And so, in turn, I am super stoked that the Cowboys are now eleven and four, five and zero oh against the entire NFC East division, and surging as they head into the playoffs. I'm I'm sorry for all the laughing. I'm no, trying not. to figure out if you're apologizing for my Emmett Smith take earlier. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Guys, let me explain to you what Brandon was trying to do. <laughs> totally. At real Danny B on Twitter. Let me know ahead of time and I can block you and then we'll just go straight from there, guys. <laughs> That's me. Real Danny B on Twitter. You know what? I love you, Cowboys fans. Barry Sanders is the greatest running back of all time. I said it. Ooh, double down. I said double it. Double down. I, Emma Smith, I... I uh, top three? Top three for Emma Smith? Brandon signaled uh, lower. We're not video yet. At WMU. <laughs> Two ends in gun. He signaled thumbs down when I said top three. Putting you on the spot right now because we've only got to talk about the Dolphins and Saints, and the producer hasn't said anything about us winding this up yet. So I'm gonna th- uh, uh, the bus that you rolled over on me. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna back <laughs> that thing up on you, Brandon. <laughs> All right. Oh, juvenile. I like it. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I think that Emmett Smith. Is is it definitely a polarizing character, and especially in our area, because we got to see Barry Sanders and him running alongside each other in the NFL at the same time. Mm-hmm. That being said, oh, I just I, I don't believe that Emmett Smith is a top five back in, in National Football League history. I just don't. I think that he was a benef- uh, benefactory of the line that he was running behind with Michael Irvin. And all of the other toys around. He he was a a good running back in a great system on a great team, which is fair to say. And I think that that's what people really get in a tizzy about is a lot of people have this "if he ain't first, you're last" mentality from Talladega Nights when it comes to the, when it comes to talking about sports. And you're like, no, no, no look. Dude, I, I'll tell you right now, and I know this is not a basketball show, and eventually we're probably going to do that, but. The recent conversations is that Donovan Mitchell is the greatest player that the Utah Jazz have ever had. He's not. He can't be. He's never going to beat John Stockton's assists or steals record, and he's never going to score more points than Carl Malone did, simply for the fact that nobody lasts 18 years in the NBA any longer. But that does not mean that he's a bad player. He's one of my current favorite players. But why can't I sit here and tell you, look, he's not going to, we're not going to remember him as the greatest player of all time. And you go, whoa, hey, buddy. No. And that's what a lot of people, when you talk about Emmett Smith, go, oh, you're a Cowboys hater. I love the Cowboys. I'm not a hater. I grew up watching the Cowboys because the Lions sucked so bad that anytime I turned on my TV on Sunday before I had direct TV, I had to watch the Cowboys games. I grew up with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and loved when Deion Sanders joined the Cowboys team. I grew up on those teams. So I, I, I grew up watching the Cowboys. But why can't you be critical of somebody without being a hater? Monday Night Football, Brandon, 20-3. to 3. <laughs> 
How about eight sacks from the Dolphins defense? Poor Ian. Ah, oh, poor Ian Book. Not a fairy tale start to the, his NFL career. No, God, not at all. Fun. And <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I, I think I've got to sit and let that one that one settle for Let a minute because for a bit. yeah yeah um i i don't think that we could be surprised at all you know here <laughs> we have uh the saints having 16 players removed from the active roster due to covid <laughs> due to positive covid tests and then you've got injuries on top of that i i it's exactly what we talked about over the past couple of weeks. You know, surprise, surprise. If you take away eight starters on both sides of the ball, the team's going to lose. Like, I, I just, who knows what effects the, this COVID situation is going to have on the playoffs, but it's already making its mark on the the battles to get into the playoffs. And that. I'll say it again, the NFL has to figure something out because there is no reason that professional athletes that are asymptomatic should not should be sitting at home worrying, you know, about what their team's going to do. They're a part of that team and you just I, I don't know. I I think that I know that there's not a 100% correct answer that's going to make everybody happy. But the fact of the matter is, is that these are athletes that are paid to play a game and paid to compete. And when you take away, you know, next man up is a next man up. And we, we've covered that over the past couple of weeks as well. And with the Saints, they were probably, truth be told, demoralized before they even took the field. It really says something when you have a limo pick up Blake Bortles from the airport to come straight to your facility on a Thursday. Yeah. I mean that's a that's all that the, that's all you need to know about the New Orleans Saints. I mean they they asked Drew Brees to get off a golf course and come play for them this week. <laughs> right. He said, "Eh, no thanks." Yeah. I would like my nice cushy gig at, at NBC now. Yeah. But how quickly how quickly in the offseason does Alvin Kamara demand a trade? Well, I, I think that that's that's a very tough question, and I know you know we talked a little bit of, of before about it, but I look at it, and to me, he appears to be a guy that just bleeds New Orleans and and bleeds you know golden black, and so I don't know if he demands a trade. But you've also pointed out, and and we talk about this too. The window for a running back closes pretty quickly. And is Jameis going to come back and be the answer? Is you know what what does that whole offense look like? Because the defense, it can be said that the defense is playing pretty good. Right. If they can keep that together, then maybe they're not as far away as their seven and eight record looks at looks like this year. But they've got to get some help on offense. I mean, that that Michael Thomas going out should not have tanked the offense the way that it did because we've seen Michael Thomas regress a little bit. You know, he he's essentially the guy that just moves the sticks for them and he doesn't have a whole lot of yak or 
anything like that, they they need to get some receiving help in there uh, for these guys. But I'll never say never, but if I had to guess one way or the other, I think that he stays in New Orleans, um, if not for the simple fact that he he's been in the league a few years and the trade value on a running back that's been in the league for a few years just isn't going to be a return that that the Saints would entertain. I think that's entirely possible, but I'm, I'm just for me it's a it's a fun topic of conversation. Being that Alvin Kamara is one of my favorite players in the NFL and seems he visibly visibly frustrated last night. I mean, yeah, yeah. Dolphins players ripping his towel off after plays. He's shoving <laughs> players. The fumble that wasn't a fumble. I mean, he gave up on the play as soon as he got hit. Was just like, eh, whatever. Like you can tell he doesn't care. He's over the season. He knows that they're not going to make the playoffs. And when you're literally the only person on your offense that can do anything, <laughs> that's got to be frustrating. I don't care what the payday is. You know, unless you're like a Trent Richardson where you get your payday and then kind of say, "All right, cool, I'm done." I got my payday. That's I'm re- all. I'm like, retired. Yeah. I'm just going to reel it back in. <laughs> Alvin Kamara got his payday and he's arguably played harder since he got his payday. Yep. You know, so I totally get it. And as a fan of Alvin Kamara, I don't want to see that. You know, is Jameis Winston the answer for the New Orleans Saints? I doubt it, but maybe. They were five and two when he was playing. Yeah. You know, like, is it that big of a drop off from Jameis Winston to anybody else that's, that's taking snaps under center? That's kind of a scary situation when you think about it. Because look at their record, Brandon. Yeah, they're seven and yeah. eight. Since Jameis well, Winston went out, they're they're what two and six. Yeah. Well, D- Danny, they this team has got to be done with the Taysom Hill experiment. I think that they're not. As you long know, as go- Sean Payton's there, they're never going to be done with the Taysom. Hill I experiment. know, I know, but is that not the most weird? Yes. I mean, it is the desire to get the ball in the hands of a tight end who can throw is mind-boggling. For a guy who's supposed to be, you know, an offensive genius, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe Sean Payton's got a get, you know, an offensive coordinator in there to to think of some fresh ideas or something because it's just a uh, I don't know. You you can't think that this team is trending up if you're a Saints fan. No, they can't be. And and like you said, Michael Thomas is not the be all end all. He's not going to answer. And it's sad because their defense is so good. And this reminds me of the one year when the Lions had a really solid defense when Nick Fairley and, and Dominican Sue and Luis Delmas and all of them just put it all together. And then the Lions offense sputtered. And you go, yep. man, like, it's just like I said, for me as an Alvin Kamara fan, I, it's noticeable to me that he's visibly frustrated. And you go, man, it, it, is it time? Sean Payton is obviously, he's he's not over. He's kind of a quarterback whisperer, but you can only do so much with the talent that you have. And will will Ian Book get better? Maybe you don't know. You know he went against a surging defense. It's not like he played against the Jets. 
right? You know, he he played against one of the top defenses in the league, and they made him pay for it. Pick six on his second ever NFL throw. Eight sacks. Like, the defense just ate him up. But at the same time, all you got to do is watch out for Alvin Kamara if you're a defense, if you're if you're on defense. You game plan to stop Alvin Kamara and go, well, we win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Danny, and eight sacks, and they could have had many more. He was running for his life the entirety of that game. Yep. And if he was not, if his claim to fame was not being mobile, you're looking at a guy who's probably, they're still trying to peel up off of the ground. Correct. Uh, I don't know. But Dolphins, man, I got to give it to you. Climbing into the playoffs. Seven up, seven down. First time ever in NFL history. How do you not? All right. I get it. Tua was 19 of 26 for only a buck 98. Right? Jalen Waddell is about to break Anquan Bolden's reception record for a rookie. He's going to exceed 100 receptions this season. Somebody had to get him the ball. He's not playing catch with himself. Well, and and Danny, he's the most accurate quarterback in the in the NFL right now. Like, what if a quarterback's job is to throw the ball? You want him to do so while being able to get the ball in the area he's trying to throw to. Right. He is doing that at the best rate in the NFL. Like, I, I to me, I get it. Is he heaving the ball downfield? No, he's not. But if you look at the options that Miami brought in or has for those deep shots, you're looking at, you know, Devontae Parker or even more so Will Fuller. And Will Fuller, I don't even know if he's taken more than five snaps as a Miami Dolphin player. Right. So, but you you did see Tua is able to he dropped a dime to Mac Hollins and it was over the shoulder of the cornerback and he laid out for it and there was no catch and run there. It was a 40 yard pass downfield. That was a diving catch and it was exactly where it needed to be. Yep. And yeah, I mean, do, does the shiny arm of, of like a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, you know, these guys that can, wind up and wing it 65 yards downfield. Is that attractive? It's attractive. But if you don't have anybody that's blowing the top off like a Tyreek Hill to get to it, it it just becomes a long punt at that point. Yeah, it really does. I wonder if the Dolphins are going to end up holding on. That's what, that's my interest that I'm, I'm so invested in that storyline with the Miami Dolphins right now of seeing if they can actually hold on and make the playoffs after, after losing seven straight. Like it's, you've got to talk about Brian Flores kind of being a candidate for coach of the year. Do you not? Or do you say, well, they lost seven straight. No, I, I think you do. I, I think that that's to win seven straight in the NFL. You already pointed to it. You know, to lose seven straight and then win seven straight's never been done. Mm-hmm. So there was a coaching job after that seventh loss <laughs> that, you know, turned this team around because it's not like they went out there and have been 
just beating up on the the worst teams in the league. The strength of schedule has not been great. You know, when you look at their wins versus their losses, but you know, they beat a Ravens team. That's when the Ravens, that's back when the Ravens were playing all right. They were playing pretty good back then. And then, you know, the Saints, that defense is still tough to play in and and you were able to rise above and do what you needed to do in that game. You know, you only scored 20 points, but you were able to keep the other team off the board. Mm-hmm. So, it you know, you look at the schedule and I, I kind of go, well, you know, they did take advantage of the matchups. But as you point out every podcast, you play who you play. You play who the schedule says you play. And they, they've done that and they've done so coming out on the winning side for almost two months straight. Yep. It's, I mean, that's really, that's, it's remarkable in itself, and it's kind of a fairy tale story right now for the Miami Dolphins, which I think they've got. They still have like a seventeen percent chance. It's it's a small chance, especially we talked on it earlier. You're traveling to the Tennessee to take on the Titans, who possibly might have Derrick Henry back, and then you're going and you're hosting New England. It's not a. I mean, ugh, it's. If you can bookend your season with wins against New England, that's something to hang your hat on. Yep. But I honestly, if if we're looking at it, I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. I don't see you winning out. I really don't. I don't see the Dolphins finishing ten and seven. I see it more of like a nine and eight, and then finishing eighth or ninth and not making the playoffs. Yeah, and and even in doing so, if they did do that. I still think this team has better days ahead of it. You know, even even if they don't make the playoffs this year, even if they don't have that fairy tale ending that we talked about. Absolutely. They they honestly they really do. Speaking of fairy tale ending, Brandon, we're getting it. We're <laughs> We wrapped up, right? We we weren't ushered off this time, which is nice. We weren't we ran long, but we ran hard, we ran fun. Yep. We're battle tested. Do you remember the kids? Do you remember the kick cereal? I do. Kid tested. Kid tested. Mother approved. Did you know that it's no longer mother approved, Brandon? It is parent approved. Oh. Oh, well, that's... Love our society. That's going to do it for us this week. I am Danny. (laughs) And I am Brandon, who did not approve the kick cereal. Oh, you didn't? Well, we'll talk on that next week. But we'll do that when we see you down the road. (laughs) 